Ocean's Mall needs to do better. I'll never change that statement until they do better. So I did a bit of research. Interpol has rated South Africa as the country with the most sexual assault cases. We've got the highest rape and sexual assault cases in the world. I'm just going to put that out there because I don't know why we like to gaslight people when they say I've been raped. Of course, you live in South Africa. Chances are you would get raped. Welcome to the Lebu Lion Show. We still don't have a slogan yet, but I am so happy to be here once again. I'm your host, Lebu Lion. And as usual, we're talking all things brand building, marketing, business mindset, and sometimes pop culture. Now, before we get into today's topics, because they're really, they're spicy, they're fun, they're informative. I'm actually quite excited about today's episode. I need us to do the things that we always do on this podcast, which is liking, sharing, subscribing, commenting, and remember to keep your comments kind, because here we're a community, we're a family. We understand that we're all people just sharing our perspectives, and no perspective is wrong unless it's harmful. So let's be more open-minded, let's be more mindful, and let's try to connect, guys. It's really nice to connect with people who have things in common with you so let's be kind to one another and before we go into this episode I actually thought I should do some comments about the last episode that I posted about Ocean's Mall and um, now that I'm thinking about it, I'm like should I should I not I'm not too sure but let's just let's shut down this Ocean's Mall conversation because it's not it's not worth it when I spoke about Ocean's Mall, I was talking about it from a business perspective, guys. Remember, when I speak about things, I tend to inform myself before I just go blurting out things because I believe that when you do your research and you're a little bit informed about something, then at least you're being responsible about how you're commenting on it. I'm not just somebody sitting on her couch or coming from wherever thinking that I can have an opinion about anything. I don't do that. There are many things I don't have opinions about because I don't think I'm informed enough to do that. I'm not silencing myself. I'm just respecting the fact that I can learn from other people who know more than me. That's basically it. So with the Ocean's Mall thing, people, of course, took it personally because they weren't understanding what I was saying. But what I was saying was that Ocean's Mall needs to do better. I'll never change that statement until they do better. Luxury experiences have certain requirements and you can't call them luxury without ticking those boxes because then they're not luxury. For those of you who've traveled around the world and seen other luxury spots, you will see how Ocean's Mall doesn't even compare. So it's got nothing to do with Santon. Just travel and go see what it looks like around the world. Go to Texas. There isn't even a line outside Louis V, for example. So the fact that we have a line outside Louis V in Santon, for example, example is a problem because they're not managing the luxury element of that experience and it's very important that they do. I was even saying to my Instagram community that all you have to do as a marketer because most of us have to understand economics right it's part of the syllabus when you're studying marketing is go and look at the financials of the different companies that you want to talk about or the different companies that you want to mimic. You will find that in these reports and the financials of LVMH, they don't incentivize or even find joy 
in trading in Africa, for them, it's not something that they prioritize because they're saying that the market share that they have here is too small. They feel like the customers in this area do not have enough money to sustain a brand being here in this continent like Louis Vuitton for a long time. So they don't actually put as much resources, for example, into their LVMH stores as they would in other ones because they're not seeing the potential for true growth here. And the only reason why they're here, even though they don't actually believe in it when you read through those financials, is because there is a bit of a narrative that says Africa's growing, Africa's starting to boom, there's going to be a, lot, a big surge of money and people with money and investment into this continent. And so they say, okay, we'll stay here for now and see. Right. But at any point, they could pull the plug. So don't go out there defending brands that don't even see us as people. Look at their financials. Understand where a, a brand's vision is. Where are they going? How do they see the market they're trading in? How do they see the people in that market? And then make those decisions. But don't just paparez, talking, talking, talking online, making yourself look like a fool when you don't actually know what you're talking about. So I've been looking at the financials of LVMH for some time because I'm really interested in the growth of luxury brands on the continent. And I can tell you right now, the, pi the picture is very, very bleak. So we're ending it off there. I will only have a conversation about LVMH, luxury shopping experiences, and oceans more with people who have read the financials of the companies. And for anyone who doesn't know, the financials are open to the public for almost any company. They're a publicly listed company. You can get information about them almost anywhere. So inform yourself. Now for today's episode, don't forget to like, share, subscribe, comment, do all the right things. We're talking about sexual assault cases in South Africa. We're also going to be covering Barbie, the brand and the amazing campaign that they've just done that I think really just deserves a place in the history books or the marketing history books because they've done a great job there. And then we're going to end it off with some motivation because we know that we, ca we can't move through life with negative mindsets. We need to empower ourselves and each other. So we share some mindset gems and you know information and whatever it may be throughout this podcast so that we can all be on the same motivational page but let's get into this because I'm really excited and we don't have much time so first we're going to be talking about Barbie right guys Barbie has launched the most epic campaign in my opinion and if you have not seen it seen it where have you been because it's been all over social media you've been seeing your favorite influencers dressing up as barbie going to some events looking cute showing us their interpretation of barbie as a run-up to the premiere of the barbie movie that has just come out and it's not just in preparation for the movie but it's the first phase of the strategy that barbie has for those of you who don't know barbie is a brand it's not just the doll barbie is the actual brand and it's owned by an American toy company called Mattel. Mattel is very well known for owning a lot of toy toy brands and toy companies like your Unos, like your Toy Story and other brands that I don't think we, we know very well in South Africa, but they're very well known in the States. It's an American company. Now, Barbie was founded by a businesswoman called Ruth. And I want to get her surname so I can get it right. Her name is Ruth Handler. And Ruth designed the doll in 1951, modeled around her daughter. It was, a, it was a doll to celebrate her daughter. So Barbie's full name, for those of you who don't know, is Barbara Millicent 
Roberts. That's right. Barbie has a full name because she's got a full identity. And the Barbie name is just a nickname that we give her. And it's the house of the brand. The Barbie brand is owned by Mattel. It's not owned by Roots Family. And also Ken, for those of you who might know it or not believe it, Ken is actually Kenneth, named after Ruth's son. And he's supposed to be Barbie's brother. Right. But I assume that when Mattel bought the doll, they actually changed the narrative because we know that relationships, romantic relationships tend to sell better than brother sister relationships. So I think when they were thinking about the longevity of the brand, the kind of products that they can sell under the brand, it's much better to make them a couple than to make them brother and sister. You can have weddings, they can have babies. Things that you can't do with your brother, right? And that's why they change that narrative. And that's what brands do all the time. If you're an entrepreneur and you've created a product and you sell it to a brand, you'll find that the way you had conceived it and envisioned it is not the way that the brand sells it. And there's something to be said about that because these brands that house a lot of uh, companies and brands and products, they've been in the game for a long time and there's a reason why. So when they change the narrative or change the marketing, it's not by mistake, it's on purpose. And I want entrepreneurs to think that when they're listening to this podcast, like how am I designing my brand in a way that isn't actually commercially viable? So the idea might be nice. I mean, I'm designing it after my daughter or my son. But actually, when I think about this idea outside of my own personal desires, is it a commercially viable idea or can I shift something that actually makes it a brand that people want to buy or a product that people want to buy? I just want you guys to think about that. So why was this Barbie campaign so amazing? Listen, Barbie, right? And I keep saying to people, I've been a fan of Barbie my whole life. I used to have Barbie dolls. I was a tomboy. So my dad would buy us Barbie dolls. I would literally like rip off the head and the arms and do funny things to it. Me and my sister would use the different body parts to play around. It's actually quite gruesome. It sounds so terrible now that I think about it. But we still loved Barbie. We still loved every time my dad would buy us a Barbie. My mom would buy us a Barbie. And the Barbie experience for me is an all-encompassing experience for a little girl because I remember vividly going to the shops and seeing this like line of Barbie dolls and her house and all the little things you can buy for her houses. It was just a brilliant experience. So for me, Barbie has been doing the things as a brand for a very long time. And shout out to Mattel for knowing how to sell toys to children. Now, there are some people who say that there are lots of negative narratives that Barbie sells and kind of ingrains into society. But I'm going to debate that a little bit further as we talk about their strategy and why it was so brilliant. So Barbie as a brand historically has also been a brand that grows with society. So when there are different trends or there's a kind of different mindset shift in society, you'll find that the Barbie brand grows with them. And if you don't believe me, I urge you to go to their Instagram page and watch how they've done things. It is fantastic the way they've managed every single touch point of that brand for me i cannot fault it so if the world is about body inclusivity barbie will have different barbies of different shapes and sizes and different body types when barbie is about or when the world is more about racial inclusivity they'll have barbies of different races in fact there's a whole museum that just celebrates black Barbie and the different kinds of black Barbies that have existed. So guys, Google this stuff. It's literally the information is out there for all of us to read and consume. I am not the only person who knows these things. So there's a whole history of black Barbie. There's a whole history of how Barbie has moved with the times. And it's also authentic to their brand because 
people are people, right? And people evolve and people grow and they change. Just like the Barbie woman, any other woman would change and say, maybe I don't want to be skinny like that. Maybe that aesthetic is not what I like anymore. Maybe I want to embrace how I look. And so I think for me, the, the evolution of Barbie has been very authentic and it's right on brand. So I think the company has managed that kind of growth really, really well. I literally cannot fault them. And some people won't believe it, but literally just go Google them. I love Barbie. At my age, I still love Barbie. If I had a kid, I would let them play with Barbie. And also, Barbie has, it's almost kind of encompassed how women live life. They have different careers for Barbie, for example. There's Barbie who goes to space. Barbie who's a secretary. Barbie who's a lawyer. Barbie who's a mom. Barbie who's a soccer coach. Barbie can do anything. For me, that's the narrative. If you've got Barbies doing any kind of career they want to do, it means you as a girl can do whatever you want. So you're not only limited like we were back in the day with one Barbie who's a housewife and she looks cute with like a tiny little body. Now as a young girl, you can pick a Barbie that does anything you believe in. She can be a soccer player who goes to space and maybe... She has a girlfriend, not a boyfriend. Literally, Barbie allows you to do that in this day and age, which I think is so brilliant for the brand. And even in the videos that they post on their Instagram page, it's just fantastic. So what did they do with the strategy that they unrolled in the past couple of weeks? Barbie decided to use a broad visibility influencer marketing strategy in order to launch their movie and to showcase the new direction of the brand. So what they did was they did three things that I think were quite fantastic. First of all, they were looking for broad visibility and broad reach. So they went online with it instead of going traditionally on television and radio. They said, we're going to use influencer marketing to reach a wide audience. Now, a lot of people are quite ignorant about how influencer marketing works, but it works in different levels and different phases and different companies will unroll or roll out those different phases depending on the strategy. So what you do is if you're trying to reach a wide audience very quickly, you use the mega influencers. Those are the influencers who are either traditionally famous or the ones who have lots of followers. So we're talking about 100,000, 200K, 500K, 1 million. You work with those people because they've got a wide audience and their strength is amplification. It is not necessarily call to action. So if you want people to see something and you want them to see it repetitively and you want it to feel like a part of their lives, you give it to the influencers with wide reach, with a big, big audience. So they did that first of all. On top of that, they said to them, you guys are real women in the sense that the essence of Barbie is also a real woman. So show us your interpretation of Barbie. And they had so much fun. You could see that content felt very authentic. It felt like they were all trying to showcase a part of Barbie that they believed in or that they grew up in, with that they loved. So it was really cool to see the different expressions of Barbie from all of these ladies. And what was great about that visibility strategy is that it got social media talking. So Barbie didn't have to pay for a hashtag that so many South Africans like to do, South African companies like to do, paying for hashtags. Barbie didn't have to. It trended organically and authentically because they used the right influencers to do what they needed them to do. And it also got a lot of blogs saying who wore it better, etc. You know that your strategy is doing well, your amplification, specifically amplification, if blogs are talking about and people are asking who did xyz then you know you did the right thing the second thing that barbie did which is typical of big companies that have a lot of money is they 
partnered with a lot of companies. In a report that I read, they partnered with over 100 partners. So when you're seeing Barbie in all the different stores with the different brands, those are the different partnerships that Martel made so that they could have Barbie being physically realistically accessible to the public. And then what they did as well is that they would either have partnership agreements with different brands where they take a portion of the brand sales or they would do a profit sharing situation so that they can get a slice of whatever their brand makes with the different partners, which is brilliant. For those of you who don't think about marketing in this kind of all-encompassing way, I need you to start doing that. I need you to research the companies that you like, whose work that you like, and actually ask yourself, what are they doing and how are they doing it? People don't know that business modeling, for example, so that profit sharing thing that I was talking about, uh, partnering with different brands, that is marketing. We do business modeling in what we do because it's part of your rollout strategy of how the customer is going to access the brand and engage with the brand. So if you're not thinking about business modeling as you're creating your marketing strategy, you're just thinking about advertising and you're going to lose because that is not marketing that is advertising you need to think about it from a completely all-encompassing strategic marketing perspective that's why i know about business because i have to read about different business models to understand how to market the different products that they have business models also show you the company's vision how the company intends to grow so it really is like looking into the dna of a company you want to be looking at that kind of stuff and that's why the barbie strategy was so successful i think for me the most authentic thing about that strategy is that they never pitted people against each other so they never said this person or influencer or brand is more of an authority on Barbie than another and I think that made it feel like the community could participate in Barbie it was for everybody it didn't feel like it was exclusively for a certain kind of person or a certain group of people because what Barbie ended up having was that even influencers who weren't even paid to talk about Barbie or dress up as Barbie, started dressing up about Barbie as Barbie. In fact, people started like posting in their stories and on Twitter, if I see another Barbie post, I'm going to scream. Because there was that much free visibility, viral visibility that Barbie got from their campaign. So for me, that campaign was a 10 out of 10. And the COO of Barbie was basically saying that their vision for Barbie is that they want to take Barbie off the shelf and into every single touch point of life. So they're saying, we're taking this doll from being just a doll to being a brand. We want to sell Barbie in many ways, not just as the doll, but do we sell it as T-shirts and merchandise? Do we sell it as experiences? I mean, there's an Airbnb that's actually fully booked and it came out about a few weeks ago, I think. It was designed by an American Nigerian lady. I forgot her name. But she created an entire Airbnb modeled around the, the famous and iconic Barbie house. And everybody wants to be in that house. And you can only go once. Only two people. Like, there are many requirements. But there's an entire Barbie house on Airbnb. And it's fully booked for the year. <laughs> because that's how big the Barbie campaign was. This is not a small boy campaign. Whoever's behind this in the Mattel team, well done. Congratulations. You've done an amazing job. And please, I urge you guys to Google more stuff about Barbie the brand. I wish I could go more into it. But we don't have time. And we do have to talk about Ladies Amar 
to Dipongolo and our motivation. So let me know what you think of the Barbie strategy. Who do you think wore it best? I think one of my faves was Faith and Getty, actually. I think she looks so cute as Barbie. And also Mbali, I forgot her name. She was on a reality show. I think she really killed that Barbie look. I loved it. Well done to them and keep it going. I hope South African brands are looking at this and saying, how can we do this? How can we be authentic in how we engage with the market? How do we grow brand off the shelf and make it a real experience instead of just plastering what we do on famous people and thinking that it's going to work. I know that's a bit shady, but that's what I believe in. So that's what we're going to be doing. The second topic, I need to log into my laptop for this one, that we're going to be talking about is in sexual assault in South Africa. Now, these are topics that I really honestly try to stay away from because I feel like there's too much... Ignorant vitriol that happens online about these things. And I call it vitriol and I also say it's ignorant because I don't think people are well informed about most of the things they talk about. And it's vitriol because it's just nasty and disgusting and it doesn't help society grow. So I don't know why we take these opinions so seriously. But at the same time, we have to, right? Because these opinions show you the face of our society. This is how our people are thinking. And nobody lives in isolation. You don't live in an igloo. You live with other people. How they think will affect you, whether you like it or not. So we have to comment and try to refine these perspectives and say, Hey guys, maybe let's think about it a different way. Firstly, and I think this is the weird part with the law, how do you prove you were raped? Like, I just find that so strange. I, and I'm thinking about this in my mind as a woman. Like, if some man raped me, what would I start to do to prove that he did? Would he rape me and then when he's done, what do I do? Do I, like, swab my vagina, run to the hospital and give them... Like, what happens? How do you prove that somebody raped you? You know, I think that's the tricky part, first of all. And then secondly, we forget that we live in South Africa. And in South Africa, women are shamed when they go to police stations and hospitals. So if you're a woman who's been beaten by her husband, who's been raped or whatever, assaulted, the police will even say to you, are you sure you want to do this? We don't think you should be doing this. Don't you want to go home and fix it with your partner? This is real. I'm not talking about things that don't happen. This is real. Right? Then you think about hospitals. Hospitals shame rape victims who are women because they assume that you're a loose girl who was out where she shouldn't have been. And so, therefore, you got into trouble that you didn't need to get into. And so, you're the problem. Imagine being a victim of something like that and someone telling you it's your fault. But because I know that without speaking about research from universities or whatever, all of you are going to be mad and say, oh, you just love women. So I did a bit of research and Interpol has actually rated South Africa as the most violent country. Sorry, no, let me let me repeat that. Interpol has rated South Africa as the country with the most sexual assault cases. We've got the highest rape and sexual assault cases in the world. In the world, we've got the highest rape and assault cases, sexual assault cases in the world. What does that mean? And not only that, we've got the highest proportion of women experiencing sexual assault or rape. So those stats are leaning towards, A, we're a violent society. We enact violent crimes. But not only that, those violent crimes are usually from straight men onto straight women or onto women. So the chances that somebody saying they've been raped by a man in South Africa 
that the chances of that happening are very high, <laughs> just based on pure statistics. Right? We've got the highest rape cases in the world. I'm just going to put that out there because I don't know why we like to gaslight people when they say I've been raped. Of course, you live in South Africa. Chances are you would get raped, right? And then the stats further go on to talk about the different kinds of rape. And I found research from Brown University that was saying that over 85% of women who are raped are usually raped by people they know, either in their homes or in places that they're familiar with, around people that they know. So a lot of us are getting raped in safe spaces. And of those women, about 60-something percent don't even know that they're being raped or they make excuses about what they're feeling and don't want to call it rape. When you read a lot about the rape statistics and sexual assault statistics that uh, a lot of universities publish, you'd find that they say that a, a lot of women don't want to actually go and report the cases and that most of the time both parties, men and women, aren't even aware that rape is occurring. So if people were that conscious that rape is occurring or that they had the courage to report that, how many more cases of rape would we have in South Africa? If we weren't having police officers decentivizing women from uh, opening cases against men, what would the stats be? How scary is this country? So for me and my perspective, if the state can't find that someone raped me, they can't find sufficient evidence, for me that doesn't mean I wasn't raped. It just means by the court's processes, there isn't enough evidence. That's it. It's evidence. It doesn't mean the thing never happened, you know? And even if we look at, for example, the Tuli Pongolo and, Ma and Maporisa case where P Tuli said Maporisa beat her up and she laid a charge and then eventually took away the charge. She dropped the charge and Maporisa got to walk away on bail. Some people are saying that she shouldn't be allowed to do that and she's playing with the justice system by, you know, laying a case or laying a charge and then dropping it. And I feel like that's an ignorant perspective to have, right? Because in both situations, you're shaming the victim. People understand the state of our country. We know our legal system. We know our police system. It is not safe to lay charges against somebody who's raped you or assaulted you. And add to the fact that that person is famous or well-known and respected by probably the police and law, why would you feel confident enough to just continue with the case, you know? Also, there's a reason why in our legal structures they allow victims to pull back the charges that they make about people there's a reason why it's not to say that they're allowing people to just be reckless and to accuse somebody of something today and then drop it tomorrow a lot of the a lot of the time victims drop cases because they're afraid not because they don't want that person to face justice i don't know about you but if i was ever beaten up i'd want that person to be punished and I can just imagine how disempowering it will be it would be for me to have to drop the charges because that person could potentially harm me even more if I tried to take them to trial for something that's very hard to prove because it's very hard to prove rape and it's very hard to prove assault, sexual assault. I'm not talking about whether these men are guilty or not. I'm talking about the concept of justice and sexual assault and rape in our country and the fact that the way you guys talk about women who've experienced these things should actually be criminal. 
because it makes no sense and it's completely uninformed. There's another case study that I saw where they were saying, and I'm going to read this, it says, false reports of sexual assault are dramatically overestimated. Poorly constructed studies and a lack of understanding of the dynamics of social assault contribute to the problem. In rigorous research, rates of false reports are consistently very low, ranging from 2% to 10%. This is similar to rates of false reports for other crimes. So it's very unlikely, <laughs> very unlikely that a person who says I was sexually assaulted is actually lying. It's according to the data, it's not up to me. And then it says, in spite of these statistics, misconceptions are repeated in many ways. False reports are a common trope in fiction. So they talk about like the different literature that you'll find in numerous TV shows like Law and Order and receive significant media attention. The UK tabloid, The Daily Mail, used the words cries rape in 54 headlines in 2012. And that was also one of the years in history where a lot of women were actually called out for falsely accusing men for rape when they didn't. So that statement, cries rape, created a culture of saying that the victim is actually lying about sexual assault, which is actually such a shame. But you can't change the toxic vitriol that happens in society once concepts are PR'd the way headlines like cries rape tend to be. So just looking at those tiny, tiny stats, I mean, I could go into this more, right? But if false accusations can only go between the range of 2% to 10% globally, what are the chances that people who actually say they've been harmed are lying? Let's talk, I just want to know, guys, what do you guys think? What do you guys think? Because I want to understand when people are just saying, hey, 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 it's like, wait, wait, they should be punished. Do you even understand? Is the law that accessible? Let's take it away from rape and sexual assault. Let's talk about crime. <laughs> if you've ever experienced crime in South Africa, how easy is it for you to lay a case when there's full evidence someone broke into your house and stole your shit? How easy is it for you to get justice from that? Just that. Something so simple that we want to take it to something complicated like sexual assault and rape. Why do we think it should be such an easy black and white situation? Jacob? Yeah. <laughs> I think I think as people, man, uh, we want to make whatever we think, we want to make that the law. Mm. Like what, what we think is right. Our own judgment. Yeah, we think our own judgment should make sense. Mm. And unfortunately, it doesn't work like that. If the law says whatever it says, that's what the law says. And I think um, when people also just go off online, I think, again, they're just using their own judgment, mm -hmm. not really having facts. And some, honestly, they just say things for the sake of having an opinion, <laughs> not necessarily actually doing research. Mm. And when they actually see the facts, these people don't come back to say, you know what, I was wrong. Mm -hmm. Now they still want to push that narrative to say, no, but this and that and that and that. But your judgment shouldn't be another person's reality or an another uh, another people's facts. Okay. That's my opinion. Anyone else? <laughs> <laughs> I think they're afraid because they're like, hey. They were ready. They were ready to say something. But guys, that, that's why I always talk about being informed. Just read. <laughs> it's really that simple. Go read some things and read things from your own perspective. So go find things, say, 
women who lie about rape. Go and read those articles and see what they say. Then actually go and Google misconceptions about rape or whatever. You'll be able to balance your perception of you know, what the truth may be or how the world really works. But to think that your own experience and your own perspective of the world is the only way the world is, is so dangerous. I can't even begin to tell you how dangerous it is. There's a reason why I can work with the companies that I work with, even though I speak my mind. It's because everything I say, I can back it up. Why? Because I inform myself. And also, I never, ever try to drag people in me sharing my perception of things. Things are not people. People are not things. You can absolutely say, Ocean's more sucks without saying, Sarisha Reddy is a terrible person. She looks like this. You don't have to do that. It's got nothing to do with that. It's about Ocean's more, the business. We can always fix business, but to drag a person, you don't understand the kind of damage you're doing, long-term damage that you're doing to that person, their family, the communities they serve. You can't be reckless about other people in the same way you wouldn't want people to be reckless about you. So I know I said in the previous episode that I believe in cancel culture, and I really do. Because I think it's one of the primary social justice tools we have in society that help really bad people be seen and get taken to jail or whatever the case may be, like your Harvey Weinsteins. And whenever cancel culture fails us, I always look at it as an opportunity to observe our society and to see the direction that we're moving in. Are we moving in the right direction? If we're not, why is that happening? And you'll be able to gauge, like, the worse Twitter comments become, the more people are mean about women, you know, when it comes to sensitive matters like rape, you'll find that the rape stats tend to go higher. <laughs> or violence in communities tends to, you know, increase, but maybe people won't file charges as much as they did before because they know they won't be believed. And on top of that, there's the shame of being dragged on Twitter. So there's a stat that's out there right now. Begit Gale spoke about it. He said the, the rate of rape cases in South Africa has decreased by 2.8%. But that's such a misleading statistic to share with the public because why has it decreased? It doesn't mean there are no rape crimes. It just, to me, it means that people are too scared to, to report the rape. Now you're on Twitter, people will drag you and say, yeah, she deserves to go to jail because she, she reported this guy and look at this guy, his life sucks now, but then she dropped the case. But guys, what about our police system? What about everything? So for me, the drop for me says that the bullying online, all of the toxic stuff we do is becoming more powerful. People are actually ashamed to go and enact justice for themselves because they are afraid of being dragged or cancelled. So they just sit there with their trauma. That's what, I, that's what I think that stat shows. I don't think it shows that we have less rape in South Africa. Jacob? What I wanted to say also is that I think uh, people should not be swayed. Like, and if you're easily swayed by what you see online, that means you as a person, either you don't have values or you don't have principles, there's nothing that you stand by. Yes. It doesn't matter if the person is famous or not famous. Mm -hmm. A crime is a crime. A crime is a crime. Because then again, if you're going to stand with someone because he's your fave, but when the problem hits home, you act differently. Yes. The problem is now with you. Thank you. And when people call you out, you think, I did not understand. And in time. <laughs> but you were yeah. part of it. Yeah, but you are like part of it. You were there railing and railing and railing. But now that it hit home, now you're like, oh, actually something happens to you. Mm -hmm. uh, the crime is different, but the, the, the treatment becomes the same. Yeah, well. And then now you want to go hang yourself and we must now feel sorry for feel you. Sorry for but you. You, for, you forget about the, the, the seed that you planted. Mm -hmm. So I think for me is that people, you should know what you, you should know who you are. 
believe in your in your own opinion like yeah. research read before you can open your mouth and be informed as you say like be informed about the decision it doesn't matter if barry whoever a famous person did this and this and this out to someone else before you can go bash that person mm -hmm. and it's not because that person maybe is jealous or whatever even if that person is wrong but mm -hmm. at least if you want to tweet tweet facts yes because now you're going to say something that's going to now affect the other person without yeah. thinking mm -hmm. and then it comes, then when it comes back to you now you feel like you are now the victim yes so we should you should be careful not to be swayed by everything that you see online yeah. have your own opinion have your own information and then act accordingly we are victims of our own crimes right yes and sometimes 100%. our crimes are what we type what we say so we need to be very very careful with that and for me it's just from a, a woman perspective i'm so embarrassed by all the ladies who think they should be dragging anybody like who are you you live in south africa <laughs> tomorrow you can get raped and you're gonna want our support <laughs> so for me it's like you're taking us a hundred steps back like even if you think another woman has done something wrong, correct her kindly with compassion. But anyway, guys, we don't have much time. Let's get into our motivation segment. I know that was heavy. And let me know what you think. What's your perception of this? If you're going to tell me something that is uninformed, I'm literally not going to respond. Hear me now. Hear me. I might even delete your comment because it's toxic. So understand that that's what we do in this community. I don't have time to be nice to nonsense. Think about what you say. Think about what you type. It's very important. Okie dokie. So let's get into the motivation segment. I think with today, we spoke about an incredible brand that's all about changing with the times and, you know, customizing their offering to what people actually want. So I love that. It talks about the human experience. It talks about having real compassion, understanding of people. So I love that. Then we spoke about sexual assault, etc. in South Africa and the cancel culture that is really devoid of humanity, like not understanding people, not caring about another person, not seeing a person for who they are. So I think the best thing I can say in terms of motivation relating to those topics is, and it's a tweet that I tweeted this morning, I said, not everybody's your customer, right? And let's break that down into life. Not everybody's going to be your friend. Not everybody's going to be your fan. Not everybody's going to like what you do, but you can't change who you are simply because other people have opinions about what you're doing. That is the best way to fail in life, right? I will not change my opinions on this podcast. I wouldn't expect you to change what you truly believe, like truly, not from a hateful, emotional perspective, like truly, truly with information in hand. If you truly believe in what you believe in, then truly Truly believe in it. Don't change for another person, you know. And let's take it down to a business perspective. If you're an entrepreneur, you're watching this, you've created something, you believe in it. And you keep going to investors and they say, you have to change this thing. And your heart is saying, don't. Don't change it. Trust me when I say this, your breakthrough will come when it's meant to come. But that gut feeling that you get that says, I can't change this thing, that is God talking to you. This is my belief. And when God talks to you, he understands the journey that he has for you, the story that he has, the blessings that he's, he's sown for you. Don't spit on those blessings by changing it for somebody who doesn't even understand where you're going to be going in life, where you're heading in life. It's not worth it. So not everyone is your customer. Not everyone is meant to be your customer serve the market that serves you plow into the things that plow into you and you'll see your life transform it may not be the picture you imagined in the beginning but it will definitely always come to fruition it has to because it's ordained by god not by human beings 
Anyway, guys, thank you for tuning into another episode of the Label Lion Show. Don't forget to like, share, subscribe, do all the good things that get people to engage with this podcast. Let's grow this community because we know the gems that are shared here and we need more of the world to see it. But I'll see you next time with another amazing guest. And don't forget, when we end this podcast, we always say, because it's important, this thing, I don't just say just to say it. I want you to always carry it in your mind and in your heart when things get hard. But the only way to eat an elephant is one bite at a time. Goodbye, and I love you all. Lebulon with the impact. You be lying, that's a real fact. 